How we doing now? Oh, there we go. Man, we should have left it where it was at. They was giving me signals and signs. And said, Come on, man, turn it on. There was two things this morning that I heard from Deacon John that puts this in perspective. And it's actually a better lead-in than what I had. Praise the Lord. When he was in the back, he was praying, and he said in his prayer, he hoped that the word of God will rest in our heart. I'm paraphrasing. Rest in our heart. The word of God rests in our heart because he knows truly, as he has been studying the word of God, that the word of God is enough. Now, remember, the word of God is enough for life. We love that part. For life and godliness. You'll find that in First Peter. And in Second Peter, around verse 3. Then the second thing he said when he was standing up here, I thought was just beautiful. And he'll see that this is the Holy Spirit because we have a connection here. When he was talking about being a life group teacher and teaching the word, he mentioned that we may know counterfeits because in chapter 2 the whole chapter is about false teachers but I like the word counterfeit because of this illustration as a law enforcement officer when I was in school they teach you about counterfeit bills and you study counterfeit bills to understand that they're counterfeits but in Canada, they do something special that reminded me of my brother Deacon when he was up there talking about the word of God. See, in Canada, the law enforcement officers, what they do, they study the real thing. Law enforcement officers in Canada, they study the real thing. And they study it in such a way that when they see counterfeit, there's no doubt in their mind. That is counterfeit. And that's what my brother was, was talking about when he was talking about the word of God. See, if you study the word of God, you can see the counterfeit. And in this house, we thank God for Pastor, Pastor Mike. We thank God for the bishops. We thank God for all the ministers and all the deacons and all the, the, the leaders and life groups who are teaching the word of God. Because they're teaching you the real thing. See, and I want you to understand that, that today I'm standing here before you, but the real thing is Peter. Peter's the real thing. And I'm just a mouthpiece. And I believe what Peter says. And the reason why I believe in Peter says because Peter sets up the whole book of 2 Peter by telling you that I was an eyewitness. You find it in, in, in 2 Peter in the, around the third chapter. I was an eyewitness. But what was he an eyewitness to? And you know I love to tell you, my brothers and sisters, before we even, I mean, once we get into 1 Peter, once we get into any scripture, there, there's just certain things about, about the book that you just got to remember when you're in that book. And one of the things that you got to remember, if I take you back just real quickly to 2 Peter chapter, uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 13. And the word of God says, yes, I think it is right so long as I am in this tent to stir you up 
to remind you, first of all, to remind you, I want you to remember that, to stir you up, to remind you, right? So we're being stirred up to remind you. Yes, I think it is right as long as uh, I am in this tent to stir you up, knowing that this shortly I must put off this tent, just as the Lord. And then he goes on to verse 16 to remind us, to remind us of when we have the external pressure in First Peter, to remind us when we have the internal pressures and threat from the false prophets. He reminds us this in verse 16, for we did not follow colony devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So Peter is the teacher this morning because he is telling you if you stand on what I saw and what I, I witnessed, it's not counterfeit. And what did he eyewitness? He eyewitnessed the beautiful transfiguration of Christ. I wanted to put this morning in perspective for you that the word of God is not counterfeit. It's true. And just in Second Peter itself, everything that he is teaching you my brothers and sisters, he says, you have a precious faith. You got to remember that. You have a precious faith. Second Peter, first chapter. First Peter, first chapter. You have a precious faith. You got to stand on it. Then he says in three verses three to four, not only do you have a special and precious faith, you also, my brothers and sisters, now hear this now, in Jesus Christ, have everything you need. Have everything you need for life and godliness. Second thing you have to remember. So on his testimony, eyewitness account, he heard the voice, heard God speaking on the behalf of Christ Jesus. He says, what I'm going to teach you now, Peter is saying, what we're going to fellowship in now, in Second Peter, you can stand on the word of God. It's not counterfeit. So we say, Brother Mike Dunn, we understand about counterfeit. We understand about false teachers because we don't have false teachers in this church. We hear the word each and every day. What do we learn from false teachers? Well, we actually understand there are some characteristics. And we're not going to go through all of them. I just put that as backdrop information for you because I truly think that we can learn something from them when you go to verses 20, 21, and 22. So in 2 Peter, we've been in the life group, we've been studying the fact that they can infiltrate. Here's the false teachers. They come in secret. This is on the back part of your page. You can take it home. They deny the work of Jesus Christ. They bless and be the truth. They're greedy. They use words that sounds like the truth. They follow the flesh, presumptuous and self-will. Pastor talked about that last week. They don't want you to be under authority. They exhibit peace on the outside, but on the inside, they untamed. They're like beasts. They speak more evil than good. That's in 2 Peter 2.12. They're ignorant, 2 Peter 2.12. They love to deceive others. Oh, my dumb brother, we got this. They fall, they fall, they full of uh, adultery. They cannot cease from sinning. They prey on the unstable. 
the new believer, they intentionally speak lies. They are out for monetary gain. They talk a lot but say nothing. They make promises but don't deliver. They use alluring thoughts to provoke attention from their audience. And they make promises that they cannot deliver. And that's what we're going to hone in on. So my brother this morning, as we fellowship together, what can we learn from false teachers? I think there's three things that we can learn from false teachers. When we look at verses 20, 21, and 22, and it's, and it's just as simple. We're not going to be long because we know we beat you the de- videoed you to death this morning. <laughs> three things. Don't rejoin. Say, don't rejoin. Don't return. Say, don't return. And don't repeat. If you look at the false teachers, and this is not hypothetical. This is real, okay? If you look at them, in verse 20, the Lord says, as, as the Lord was speaking, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, don't return, don't rejoin, don't repeat. Don't rejoin the old world system. We're going to talk about that in the Word. Don't rejoin the old world system. Okay? Don't return to your old lifestyle. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Easier said than done, right? Don't return to your old lifestyle. Write that in your handout. And here's the third one. Don't repeat the same mistakes and choices. Don't repeat the same mistakes and choices. So what can we learn as God, Peter, is teaching us, teaching me, teaching us, that he's an eyewitness and that he tells us as in 1 Peter 1 that we're going to have external strife. People are going to attack the church, going to attack the individual externally, and then we have internal strife within our life group because we have false teaching. Praise the Lord, in new season, we don't have that. Or we have internal strife because of our cousins and our mothers and our fathers who don't believe in Christ Jesus. So the teacher this morning says, stand on God's word. Because I'm eyewitness. Don't rejoin the world system. Don't return to your old lifestyle. And don't repeat the same mistakes. I could always say to my son, when he made a mistake, I always used to ask him, son, what did you learn? What did you learn? Dad, this is what I learned. So what are you going to do to not try to make the same mistake? Or make those same choices? Praise the Lord, saints. So here's the word of God. We're almost all here. Because it's all about the introduction. The understanding this is about God's word. You understand the backdrop. You understand what Peter was trying to say. And the word of God simply says this. I got to start at verse 19 because it sets up 20, 21, and 22. Verse 19 says this. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. So the first thing that the false teacher can do and the first thing that we can find, we can find ourselves falling victim to is false deception. It's lies and pr- more so promises. 
Now, in the context of the, of the scripture, this is what they was talking about when you go back to Exodus chapter 20, verses 1. They was enticing them about slavery. Because after the Ten Commandments, I didn't know this. The Lord added just one more little commandment. And that is, after six years, if you own a Hebrew slave in the culture, after six years, if you own a Hebrew slave, you let them go to seven years. Boy, have you ever heard anybody preach about that? Did you know when, once I did a complete study on slavery, slavery actually, in God's view, the way he designed it, because man was just content to do what they, own, what they wanted to do. They just had to have somebody to work for them. But if you would just follow God's rules concerning slavery, it would actually benefit the family. Because the way it was designed, it was designed like this. Six years, I need a slave. I loved that slave. I treated him like my family. He wasn't property. The slave was like the family. He was a servant of the Lord because we're all servants of the Lord. It's no different than me being an armor bearer for my pastor. I am willing to serve him. I understand his authority. I understand that he has a kinship. I understand that he's elevated because he's a man of God. And his job in return is to love me, to take me in as family. And then what happens is that not only because he's so loving and he is so kind, he allows me to have a family. He allows me to have my two boys. He allows me to have a beautiful wife. And in the construct of the Holy Scriptures, God massages his heart. He takes care of not only me because God has given him the increase. He, he takes care of my family and everything else. And then, here's the beauty of it. After, seven, after six years, the slave has a choice. He has a choice, a free will choice to continue and leave the sanctuary and his children and his wife to be a free man, or he can stay free will. And what happens? Because of the loving environment, because of the way he was treated, because of his family and his responsibility, guess what he ultimately he decides to do? He decides to become New Testament. There you go. New Testament Christians, you know, a bond servant. That's how it's all tied into the word of God is good. Didn't know that. I didn't had no idea. A bond servant. That's the way it was designed. But, of course, we know that we, mankind, we destroy that, you know, and that's why he had Exodus and everything else, and he had to send Moses because we just abused the system as mankind. So what happens is that, so when you, when, you, when you draw a parallel for the 20th century, the false teacher makes promises to you. He takes the word of God, and he will make promises. But we're not talking about the false preacher today because we, we, you have heard enough about the false preacher. What happens to our itching ears? That's what we need to figure out. Does the false teacher, see, a false teacher is a false teacher regardless if you come or not. Let me say it again. A false teacher is a false teacher regardless if you come or not. God is not concerned with that. What God is concerned with is that are you going to come to the false teacher. That's what God is concerned with. That's it. He's concerned with are you going to come. So as you're listening, how is it affecting our ears? 
does it cause us to turn, as we're going to see later, and return to the old system? That's what God is talking about here as we look at these last three verses. Again, in context, the last three verses is about the false teachers. We're looking at this paradox about as we look at the false teachers and the, the mistakes that they're made, these top three mistakes that they're made, we want to say we want to draw parallels from them, and we want to say, you know what, we don't want to do that. That is a warning against us. For Matthew 7, 21 tells us, not all who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And we don't want to get to the point where we thought we was doing everything we were supposed to do. And the Lord says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. We don't want that to happen. Right, saints? I'm praying that they don't happen to us. But God put that in the God put that in the Bible for some reason. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Check it out sometime. He put it in there for some reason. So 19 sets us up. And it, and it shows us in Exodus 21 too what they was really getting to when they said uh, uh, liberty and, and promising liberty. So the false teacher promises liberty. And then the word of God says this. As you continue in verse 19, for by whom a person is overcome, so the, uh, the choices that we make, the liberty that we can exercise by the, conf, uh, uh, by the, the false prophet, or in, in this case, the counterfeit word, overcomes us. It overcomes us, and by him also he is brought into bondage. In other words, you now become a sin slave or as the Old Testament calls it, a slave to sin. Now, my brothers and sisters, we're not even getting into the theological debate about are we talking about our Christianity. I'm not even going there. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says, and the Word of God says the first thing you've got to be preoccupied about is that am I following a counterfeit doctrine, knowing that it's counterfeit, and that is leading me away from God? Praise the Lord, saints. This is what we, 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 we're learning from this word. We know that he's talking to the false preachers, but we're going to glean something this morning from this word. And it says in verse 20, here you go. It says in verse 20, and I'm saying to you, don't rejoin your old world system. And the word of God says this, for if after they have escaped, I like that word, the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled, say entangled, in them and overcome, say overcome, by the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So that was four words that the Lord just, just put into my soul. The first one was escape. The second was pollution. The third word, word was entangled. And then that fourth word was overcome. So we understand that the false prophet tries to entice us about this boundage and about this free liberty in doing whatever we want to do as we follow the counterfeit doctrine. And the word of God says this when we talk about this word escape. When you actually run away, when you actually avoid, for if after they have escaped, avoid, run away from the pollution. The word pollution is just a, a simple word for wickedness, foulness, the shameful deeds. So after you run away from the shameful deeds, you run away from the foulness, 
of this world, this world order, the systems of the world today, the Lord says, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, stop that for a minute. I think I can, I can identify with that. I'm a Christian. At one time, I was sinful and prideful, and I did not recognize Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I was in the world system. I was doing what I wanted to do because I felt that I was the intellect. I felt that I was the master of my own device, my own future. I thought I was in control of everything. That is my testimony. And I did what I thought that was best in my eyes. I was part of the world system. Well, if you go back to first, first John, I mean, if you go back to First Peter, the Lord tells us that grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of the God and of Jesus Christ our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory. So we know we've been called out because the verses also tells us that then when we recognize that we become partakers. So verse 20 is setting us up. So if you sit here right now and say, you know what? That sounds like me. I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior because I have the knowledge of Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe in the eternal Father. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we're mandated not to return to the world order. Beautiful how this scripture sets us up. And as we're reading, because in our mind we're talking about false prophets. And as I was reading, I was saying, Lord, what can I get from this? And the Lord says, look at you. I'm talking about you. Yeah, I'm talking to the, the Peter bunch. I'm talking to the family who are scattered, who's being persecuted. I'm talking to the family that's, that's not only having external strife, but internal problems. But I'm also talking to you, Mike Dunn, and I'm telling you, if you have escaped by the pulling of God, by the pulling of the Holy Spirit, if you have escaped the whole, the, the, this order, which each and every one of us has, then God says that you are a true son of God, woman of God, children of God. Then he says, then they become entangled. Oh, my brothers and sisters. In other words, to get involved, to reconnect, to be, whether it's by being enticed or by choice, we get reengaged in the world. We start doing the things that we didn't used to do. I mean, we start doing the things that we used to do again. And the Lord tells us, if you do that, if you do that, the latter end is worse than the beginning. The latter end is worse than the beginning. And God used a simple, uh, 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 and I wish I had time to just talk about the, the scriptures that God gives us and he uses in, in these comparisons. Uh, but in the book of Mark, Jesus is talking to uh, a demon-possessed individual. And the story is simple. It goes like this. After the house was cleaned, after the house was cleaned of the demon spirit, the spirit went and collected seven more and came back to the house. 
Now, God just want to show us an illustration. We can see that. If you have one demon and the house is clear, and then you come back with seven more demons, we can see that illustration. We know that the latter is going to be worse than before. But how do we apply that if Jesus used that example in this scripture? Well, God has said, man, you took the time to submit to God. He called you. You took the time to say, Lord, I'm going to give up everything that I have. You took the time to hear the power of the Holy Spirit. You took the time to say, Lord, I love you, and I love your son, Christ Jesus. You took the time to go to Bible study. You took the time to go to life group. You took the time to work in the women's ministry, in the children's ministry. You took the time to go to the workshop. You took the time to go to the one-on-one, the two-on-one, the three-on-one. You took the time to spread the gospel on your job. You took the time to love and cherish God. And then, because of the enticing of the world, the free order, the world history, you decide to go back. He's telling us in the word, it's worse. It will be worse than it was when you, before you was even not saved. That's what he said. It's a tough pill to swallow. But that's what the false teachers were doing. They get drenched, engulfed, entangled in the world. It can be power, power. In my example, the whole time I was in the military, my prayer was, Lord, don't let me taste power. I, I found out in the military I love power. I, I love power. You're telling people what to do. You know, when you're out in the war, it's good because people want to hear it. But you have to have balance. First 10, first ten, ten years of my life, I tell you, well, I will walk over you in a heartbeat to climb the corporate ladder. I came to the Lord in 1990. And it's still three years later that the Lord starts showing me who I was, really. And who I continue to be if I do not exercise and put that word, as, as my brother was saying, put that word in your heart. And I had to take a look at myself. You know what? You know, I'm driven by power. I'm driven by power. And the Lord, the first thing he started teaching me was about humility. Not in my example, but in Christ's example. Humility. And understanding that you, ha you have to work for a beautiful pastor. That you have to work, be a servant for the church. That's right. Praise the Lord. And that's for each and every one of us. Good word. I mean, the Lord just gave us a good word. And I, I, I'm saying, Lord, you just, you're remarkable. So we don't come entangled because the latter end is going to be worse. So, so, I mean, when you look at that, that's, that I, when I looked at it, I said, okay, Lord, I, I got it. Uh, I kept going back to Matthew. Go back with me. I, I, for some reason, I just want to read this. Can I take my time? I'm going to go back to just Matthew for a second. I kept the Lord, I mean, all week. I had about a week to prepare this, so it's probably going to take me a, a week to preach this. Because really I'm fired up, guys. I'm just, I know I'm usually shouting and screaming, but you know what? I just, just want to talk to you today. It's hard to be a Christian. We have all, you know, our, our, our brothers and our children have all this influence. 
you know, and when you think about it, God, we are only with our children, our beautiful, that beautiful baby back there. That baby's going to come up to a certain age when she, when that baby's going to start recognizing everything. Ba- that baby probably recognized everything already. But in a 24-hour day, they spend most time with the world. That's frightening. And everything that they take it into their eye gate and ear gate is from the counterfeit world. Everything. If we don't put nothing in them, oh my goodness. So Matthew 7.21 says this. Go with, with, with me for a second. And it says this. Then it was talking about fruit and trees in the context. Talking about bearing fruit, uh, a, a good tree bear, good fruit, a bad tree bear, bad fruit. And then in verse 21 it says this. And this is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, yes, that means somebody's going to be standing in front of the Lord saying, Lord, Lord. And the Lord is going to say this. Many, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You heard that before. And then verse 22 says this. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, even on that day, even standing with God, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, that word knew is approved in the original language, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, you're a counterfeit. That's just my word. You're a counterfeit. I never knew you. I never approved of anything that you did because you didn't do it for the will of the Father. Kept going back to that scripture as I was reading verse 20. Okay, so verse 20, we understand. Don't rejoin your old world system. And if you continue to study the second part, I mean the first verses, one through four of Second Peter, you're going to understand that God is really saying, don't renege on his word. Don't return to your old order. In parentheses, I put, don't renege on his word. Don't revoke his word. Okay? Don't renege on his word. You know the word of God. Don't renege on the word of God. Verse 21 says this. For it would have been better, better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered to them. And the word of God came to me and says, don't return to your old lifestyles. Now, when you, when you read this, I say to myself, Lord, what are you, where are you calling? As, it, as you study this passage, it's associated with Proverbs chapter 26. Go to Proverbs chapter 26 for me for a second. Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs, go to your Bible. Proverbs, we almost finished. Proverbs chapter 26. This is, oh my God, God is just, he's amazing. Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Verse 11 says this. And we're going to get down in a minute. But this is what I want to want you to get. It says, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool, a fool 
repeats his folly. Now, go to verse 1, chapter 26, verse 1. Chapter 26, verse 1. As snow in the summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Verse 3. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, a rod for the fool's back. <laughs> Verse 4. Do not answer, answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool, and it goes on and on and on. God's word is real simple. Don't be a fool. Real simple. Don't be a fool. And don't exercise foolish behavior by returning to our old lifestyles. Don't be a fool. Sometimes God's word is just, it just cut to the chase. Don't be a fool. Here's the last one. Real simple. Verse 22 says this. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. What's the true proverb? 26, 11. The dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, having washed to her whole her uh, whittling in the mall. Now, Western mind, read that verse, and we think something totally different. In the Mid-Eastern mind, in the Old Testament, these are the most two-headed animals for their reason. And it was this simple, unholiness. They was considered to be unclean. I know brothers and sisters today have more value, give more value to their, to their animals than they do people. Okay? But that's not what we're preaching about. I'm just telling you that our Western mentality is different than what the Scriptures is telling us. The Scriptures is correct. And that's why Peter chose to use this illustration because of Proverbs. He knew when he was talking to those who, who are false teachers, he knew when he was talking to the brothers and sisters of that time of Asia Minor, he knew when he used this illustration what God truly meant about those who return to their old ways. For those who return to their old choices and repeat those same mistakes over and over and over. For the animal will regurgitate the old ways, the sin as an illustration, the filth as an illustration. The vomit as an illustration. That's strong language. And he's saying in this these three verses, when we decide to return to the old lifestyle, when we decide to turn to the old uh, uh, world system and to return to our old ways and the choices that we make, God sees it as vile. God sees it as foul. He sees it as straight wickedness. He said that there's nothing worse than to return to what which we came from when it comes to sin.
See, we understand about false teachers. And we look at this in the third person. We say, hey, we're, we're talking about false teachers. So what I try to do is just say, you know, my brothers and sisters, let's, let's kind of look at it from a different perspective. What can we do? What can we do as we look at false teachers? Because, again, a false teacher is just a false teacher. That's it. And God is not concerned. God is going to deal with the false teacher. What God is really concerned with is that how do we respond? Does it cause us to rejoin? Does it cause us to return? Does it cause us to re repent? I mean, repeat. And here's the bottom line. That turns us away from God Almighty. Amen? Amen? Our hearts and minds clear? Praise the Lord. Our hearts and minds clear. Let our eyes and head bow. Father, we come to you this morning. We take nothing for granted. Father, we have listened to your son, Peter, this morning. He reminds us, Father, to stand on the word of God, and more importantly, to stand on Christ Jesus. Understanding, Father, that Christ Jesus died for our sins, that we may be able to navigate this life and to understand godliness. That's our charge. And, Father, as we deal with the external and the internal, the internal strife of life. Father, give us the power to exercise godliness. And Father, as we come across the false teachers in our midst, we pray, Father, that you will remove them first and foremost. And then, Father, we pray that our faith is, is such a way that we can recognize the counterfeit. And Father, that not only can we recognize the counterfeit, maybe we can help the individual. Maybe we can pray with the individual, Father. Uh, may, you, may, Father, you may use us to, we hope that you can use us, Father, to turn that person back to you. We ask these things, Father, and we pray that you would do all these things in the power of your Holy Spirit. And, Father, as we close uh, this moment, we ask for another blessing. There may be someone in our, in our home right now, in this church home, in this congregation right now, they may not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. They may not have a personal relationship, Father. And Father, as all the, the brothers and sisters in the Lord are praying, uh, I, I present this question. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is the day that you may do so. The Lord's arms are open. If you right now would like to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, just raise your hand quickly and put it down. I'll be more than happy to talk with you in this facility. Just raise your hand and put it down. Here's the second invitation. You're a Christian. You love the Lord. And maybe, maybe you're out of fellowship. Not only with the Lord, but also with, with the church. So the first and the second invitation is this. This is the church that I would like to rededicate myself to, if that's you. And on this day, you, you would like to rededicate yourself first and foremost to the Lord. Just quickly raise your hand and say, today I rededicate myself. Understanding what I heard, understanding that I am a Christian, I want to rededicate myself to the Lord. And here's the third invitation. You love the Lord. You're committed to the Lord. But this morning you'll find yourself in this place, but it's not your place. 
got your home. And today, we're giving you an opportunity to join this church and make this church your official place of worship. Pastor Mike and our Bishop Vines would love to do your pastoring, shepherding over you, pouring into you. We have life group leaders that love to share the word with you, teach the word to you. So today, if you have not joined a church, you do not have a church home, this is the day that you can join New Jesus Church. If that's you, just quickly raise your hand, and I will speak with you when this is over. Quickly raise your hand and put it back down. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the saints. We thank you for the listening ear, Father. We thank you for the open heart. And we thank you, Father, for the preacher this morning, Brother uh, Peter. We thank you, Father, for he was an eyewitness to a true account. We thank you, Father, that he has brought attention to, to the false teachers. And, Father, that we learn today that we should not rejoin, return, or repeat our mistakes. And, Father, as we walk out this door, uh, let us be reminded, be re remember the word of God, that we have everything that we need for life and godliness, Father. As we call upon your Holy Spirit, use us, Father, to live out the life of the true believer. That on that day when we stand before you and we say, Lord, 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 you will respond and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. It is in Jesus' precious and holy name. And all the brothers and sisters said, amen.